Here at Backfield, we've got such a bad case of MLS's back fever that we're chatting more about Major League Soccer on this episode. I'm Joe Lowry, and welcome to the Backfield Show. On Tuesday, we had MLS analyst Jordan Angeli on the show to chat about what she noticed from week one. On this episode, we've got MLS writer and analyst Harrison Ham on the show to look back with me a bit more to week one and to look ahead to week two. Harrison Sharp, his analysis is good, and I think he brings a lot to the American soccer conversation. So Harrison is going to help us run through more MLS takeaways, and I do mean run, because here on the Backfield Show, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So let's get to it and talk soccer. I'm now joined by Harrison Ham, one of the best names in all of American soccer. Harrison, thank you for coming on the show. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank. That's a great compliment. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. It's a it's a strong name. It really is. Nobody can argue with that. So we're going to work through a few different MLS observations, similar to what I did with Jordan Angeli earlier this week. Harrison, you had a column up for Backheel.com, digging into a bunch of different games from the weekend. I want to start with Nashville NYCFC. You had a good long section about that, specifically New York City FC. What what was wrong for Nick Cushing's team? They had a strong year last year, a lot of moving pieces in the offseason. Things did not look right in week one, Harrison. No, they did not. I think it comes down to the the, the striker position. I think since they've they, they just they, they started with Tyus Magno up top and he very clearly is not a striker. He looked very uncomfortable with his back to goal. Didn't seem to kind of know where to go. And I, they kind of just play, try to play up the middle. And with him out of position, you know, he's a winger. Magno's a winger. And they, they switched to Andrade playing up top in the second half and looked a little better. They tried to compensate by sending the, the, uh, the left back forward, Kufre, on his debut, who I thought looked good. But they, they with Nashville getting in behind the, the wing backs and the, the full backs, and just kind of the balance was off. They, they need to have a striker up top that runs between the lines, gets the wingers a chance to cut inside, and just generally have a little bit more balance. They, they don't have that number nine. I think that's where it comes from. And, of course, they lost Maxi Morales. They don't have the talent they had last year as well. Do you think, Harrison, that that number nine that this team needs is in the squad? Is it Thiago Andrade? I mean, I'm not sure that he really fits all the attributes that you're describing there. Like, who is that player or or is it not in the team right now? Right now, it doesn't seem like it's in the team. I think they could maybe get by with Andrade and see what happens. He's their best option, I think. I don't think they can go back to Magno at number nine. I just, we saw it last season too. I just, it just, they can't do that. Andrade at least was trying to get in behind the defense. So he seemed to kind of have that idea, but it, it's also, like you said, it's not his best position. So they, they need to probably look around and see what they can do right now, and maybe there's a replacement out there in March. Looking at the other side of this matchup, because I think a lot of the narrative coming out of Week 1 was, oh my goodness, NYCFC look worse than maybe even we thought they would. The flip side, though, was Nashville, who I thought looked really good in this game. Harrison, what did you notice from them? No Hani Mukhtar in Week 1 for them in the starting lineup, but... To me, it looked like they had a couple of complementary pieces that started to really shine and elevate this group. Yeah, they definitely did. I think, uh, like you, you look at Jacob Schaffelberg playing yeah. on the wing, and he uh, he scored a goal in this game, and he just generally looked like a 
a threat. I think Teal Bunbury is a really underrated player. His his holdup play was excellent in that game. He just looked really – I talked about NYC not having that, and you have Teal Bunbury on the other side looking really good with his back to goal. And uh, Randall Liao looks you know, solid. I think their, their ceiling is limited when Mukhtar doesn't start, but they, they're such a well-coached team. I know you wrote about that for MLS Soccer, how well-coached they are and how organized they looked. And then when Mukhtar comes into the game, you just have one of the best players in the league. I mean, he, he has assists right when he comes into the game. He dribbles the whole team and gives Schaffelberg a goal. So, and, of, and then you have the set pieces with Walker Zimmerman and uh, just a really solid defense. And Annabel Godoy covering ground all over the place. So they just have a really solid team. Even with, without Mukhtar, they're just hard to play against. Let's move to another matchup that we saw over the weekend. That's Atlanta United's 2-1 win over the San Jose Earthquakes. Atlanta left it late, Harrison. They didn't make things easy for themselves, which was a bit of a theme for them last season, despite what Brad Guzan said after the match and got, got a little hissy about. Harrison, what did you see from Atlanta United in this match? What did you make of their performance? It's hard to know what to make. I feel like this is like Atlanta teams of the past, where they have so much raw talent that just doesn't quite come together. In this game, they won the game off of raw talent. I mean, just incredible performance by Almada late in the game. But their tendency to just walk up to the box and just rip shots from outside the box is mind-blowing because it kind of reminds you of a team that never gets the ball in the final third. And the second that happens, hmm. the players are like, oh, I need to get my goal here. Now, that's, sure. now it's my chance. And they just they just rip a shot. You know, they, there's no patience. They're still they're still kind of developing their pieces and getting everyone in that they they didn't have everyone uh, in that game. Maybe once that happens, maybe we need to wait. Of course, that the new striker Giacomakis, if I'm pronouncing that right, hopefully is still going to uh, come in. But they uh, they have a lot of talent. They got the win. They just kind of talented their way to a win. Sure. But they the the number one thing is just to stop shooting from 30 yards away every time they get the ball near the box. Well, and, and my next question for you was going to be, do you think that's going to happen, right? Because I think we both agree that was a big problem last year. It was a problem in week one. It, it sort of seems to me like Gonzalo Pineda doesn't have the sort of influence. Well, there, there's two things, right? He either doesn't have the influence and the ability to get his stars, Almada and Araujo, to stop doing that, which I think most folks would agree probably needs to happen to elevate this team and help them get better shots, or... Pinedo doesn't see anything wrong with that, right? I, to me, those are kind of the only two options. Harrison, are, are is this team going to stop doing this stuff? Well, they need to have complementary pieces. Like they they can Arujo and and uh, and Almada are great as the lead options, but if you don't have other guys that contribute or uh, quote unquote role player things, like you just run in behind Derek Etienne Jr. Maybe he can do this, but you know, kind of contribute by spacing the field and getting behind a left back, making the right runs, combining with them. Like instead of just kind of waiting, standing around waiting for them to do something, there has to be more cohesiveness, more of kind of a general identity beyond just kind of hope they do stuff. And I think they, both the stars end up kind of feeling that where they feel like they have to do everything and they need the, the guys around them to not necessarily take over or be like scoring on their own, but just kind of add their own little things and make it so that it's less of a individualistic mess. Maybe those complementary pieces help create better spaces for the stars and they can then take better shots as a result. Now, that's, I think that's a good point. Harrison, before we get out of here, and we'll do that in just a second, I want to look forward to week two. After we, we saw week one last week, the opening weekend, what is one thing that you're especially watching out for in MLS in week two? It could be a team, it could be a player, a coach, any of that stuff. You know, I, I kind of want to see more of FC Cincinnati. I thought they looked really good. I thought, I think they, they have a game coming up against Orlando who got a win. 
kind of skated by against the Red Bulls. I think they, they just look so fun with the, the three in the back. I thought the debut of Santiago Arias, that, that, that wing back, I mean, he played World Cups for Colombia. He's just a really solid player. I thought he adds a new element to their team coming forward. They're going to get Brenner. Hopefully, maybe he can start and we can kind of see their fully formed team. But looking forward to seeing them build on it because they're just they're a team that could win a lot of games this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. That's Harrison Ham, folks. There'll be a link to follow Harrison on Twitter in the show notes. That's it for this episode of the Backfield Show. If you're looking for more American soccer coverage, check out Backfield.com. And if you're feeling nice, go ahead and subscribe. In the meantime, we'll talk to you again soon. 